1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the PH Nutrition Podcast. I'm Coach Chloe and today I'm doing a solo cast, a bit of a female performance project takeover to answer some of your female specific questions. So I run the female performance project with PH Nutrition which is a female only coaching platform um, and I just put out on Instagram to get you to send your questions in. So today I'm going to just go through a few of the questions that I've received. we got so many, so thank you so much. And I just want to go through a few of these and then we'll go through a few more on another podcast. But uh, let's get straight into it. So first question I have is how to respond to negative comments about being in a diet phase. So this is really interesting. So there's always going to be people that are going to comment on your diet phase whether it's because they have their own ideas around what they should be doing with their own food or they see you and perhaps they feel maybe motivated or perhaps it, it kind of makes them feel a certain way about what they're doing with their food. But in order of responding to these kind of comments, whether they're questions about why you're doing it or what you're doing, something like, why are you eating that? It it really depends on who's asking. So if it's people that you aren't close to, that it doesn't really bother you, then there's no reason to really need to respond because it's going to take you more energy in order to respond. It might make you not feel very good if you do respond so sometimes it's kind of best to just not and just leave it perhaps say that this is this is what i do and this is what works this is what works for me i find that having a little mantra if it's someone that you're you know you're not super close with having a little mantra in what you say to yourself is actually quite useful here because often it's not what people are saying, it's how it can impact how you feel about your own diet. There's nothing wrong in particular with being on a diet like we all have our own goals in terms of our bodies. And it's if you want to be on a diet, it's your prerogative to, to want to do that. But having something that's going to kind of keep you feeling best in yourself when people comment, a little mantra. I know in the past, if people have made comments on what I'm doing, I have this little mantra in my head where I just say, shake it off, just like the Taylor Swift song. (laughs) I think the girl who asked this question, actually, I spoke to her the other day, our female performance project girls. And we had a similar conversation about when other people comment on what you're doing, have that thing in your head, whether it is shake it off or something else that makes you feel good. If these people are close to you and they're commenting on what you're doing. So, for example, your family, or your friends, and they they ask why you're eating something, why you're bringing food somewhere or why perhaps you're having like a Diet Coke when you go out for a drink. Often it's not so much perhaps they're they're worried about you or they just don't understand, so instead of kind of going on the defensive with this kind of thing, just kind of aiding in and making them understand what you're doing so for example, people might not realize that you're dieting because you know you've got I don't know a competition coming up and you have to make weight. Or perhaps like when I do bodybuilding, perhaps, you know, I have to look a certain way for for the stage. And sometimes people don't understand why you're dieting. You might just be doing it because you want to feel a little bit better in your body. But if people don't understand, they think you're perhaps just choosing to not have some certain food. They might be worried about you. So having the conversation and being like, well, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I have this goal. This is how I need to get to X, Y and Z by doing these things and just kind of have the conversation with them and see if you can get them to understand because then they might look at it in a different perspective especially if you impress on them how important it is to you to reach your goal you know saying it's your choice for now and it lines up with what you want to achieve so the bottom line on this though is is what you do with your food and how you live your life doesn't impact anyone else really like if we really think about it if you're going out with some friends you know, you go out for lunch and you just decide to just have a salad or perhaps you don't have anything because you ate a meal before you went or you're going to have a meal when you get home and you just choose to have a coffee and your friends are having a sandwich and they say, why are you not having that? What you have does not impact them. Like what the foods you decide to eat does not impact anyone else. So it's really important to remember that because I think we get so worried about what other people are going to say and what other people are going to think. And in reality. It doesn't really matter. What they do isn't going to impact you reaching your goals. And that's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. So, yeah, so great question. I like that one. Thank you so much. Let's talk a little bit about the cycle. We have a few questions on cycle related things. So first question related to this is people talk about training depending on your cycle. But what if you're on hormonal contraceptives? So I assume with this the person asking is suggesting that perhaps they don't have an actual physical bleed they don't go through menstruation because hormonal contraception built can't talk hormonal contraceptives are stopping that from happening or perhaps they have an irregular cycle based on that or yeah just don't have a bleed so the cycle itself is individual and every girl is completely different if you're taking hormonal contraceptives, there are such a wide variety of these and they are going to impact everyone very differently. It's important to kind of say that because it's so important to take an approach of just listening to yourself and your body. But I also think it's a bit of a cop out to just say, well, everything's individual, because we can give you advice on these things. But it's just very important to remember that what works for one person isn't going to work for another person. So the first thing we want to do is, is say let's use the example say we are on hormonal contraceptives and we don't have a physical bleed but we do still have those hormonal fluctuations we still have things going on in our body that we are going to see coming out in kind of symptoms so the first thing to do is learn to listen to your body how do you feel at specific times on specific days of the month and can you roughly track something so for example in the past when i haven't had a cycle partly i've had that because of not because of being on hormonal contraceptive contraceptives but also because of just not having a cycle because of low energy availability but when i've not had a cycle i have tracked my symptoms so for example say i get a day where i'm like oh i feel super bloated and there's no particular reason why i also feel a little bit fatigued perhaps you feel overly tired you've got poor motivation to train put these in a log of some kind so use a google spreadsheet Use a, a, a tracking app, like a menstrual cycle tracking app, as if you have a cycle such as Clue. Clue is a really good one because you can put the symptoms in. Using the calendar on your phone. Or what I like to do is use the notes in my phone. So, for example, what I will, the reminders in my phone, sorry. So what I will do is if I'm feeling super low in terms of energy, I will log that in my phone and perhaps log it as week two of luteal phase. And then I will set a monthly reminder of the week two of the luteal phase When I'm feeling low and then I know I get that reminder every month that's like, okay, perhaps you need to take it easy on yourself this week because based on what happened last month, you know, this is how you're going to feel. Obviously, it's not an exact science. I mean, none of this is an exact science, but at least it kind of gives you an idea of when you need to be kind to yourself. Now, you know, if if you're not kind of on that kind of clockwork and your body doesn't seem to have any regularity in terms of when you're getting symptoms and things like that it does become a case of really watching out for your triggers and how your body feels. So for example, if you do start to experience fatigue, low energy, inability to recover, more muscle soreness, things like this, then just learn to be kind to yourself. If you have a big training session or you've got an event planned and you can feel those symptoms coming in, don't do your training or take the intensity super, super low. Take it easy on yourself. Don't be afraid to adjust your life and your diary Based on your cycle, based on just how you're feeling, even if you don't have that physical period, like actually present, don't be afraid to adjust things based on how you're feeling. We tend to just go way too full send, way too hard on things. And then when we get a little bit of tiredness or we get, perhaps we feel like we're going to get an injury, we just go, oh, well, you know, I'll just keep going. But this isn't a good. A good place to do things from because it is going to le- lead to overtraining, you know, under recovery, and knock-on effects from this. So just learn to listen to your body and and make the decision to take it easy if you do feel those symptoms. So whether you have a cycle or not, you know, regardless of whether we have a cycle, we should be listening to our bodies. Like, there's no one here that's judging you if you feel low and you feel like you need to take a rest day or perhaps you know change your calendar around in terms of work. Like don't feel like you need to put yourself out there to do strenuous things, go and do loads of activity, go and do big things if you are feeling low because it's just going to make you feel worse down the line. So why more calories leading up to the period and on the period? Great question. So in the week before our period and for some girls during their period, again, it's super individual. Some girls actually feel great on their period. Some girls don't feel great in their period. But in that week leading up to it, the second week of our luteal phase and the first week of our follicular phase when we're actually on our period, we tend to crave more energy-dense sugary foods. Our appetite also spikes this can actually be due to a number of reasons that might compound together. So changes in hormone levels and particularly a drop in dopamine because our estrogen can drop as well quite severely. So we drop dopamine, which is like our motivation hormone. And it also correlates with higher cravings when that drops. We might suffer in the second week of our luteal phase and the first week of our follicular phase with impacted sleep as well. Sleep can get really disrupted because we get higher levels of anxiety. So you might wake up at 3am thinking, oh my God, why did I say that thing to that person? You might, just feel kind of lower in general higher stress from impact of recovery with training much easier to fatigue in training and daily life like daily life stresses can impact us a lot more and all of these things will add up we have a higher stress load we've got lower dopamine we've got lower estrogen lower motivation and generally we just get more hungry in general i think on average we tend to kind of eat about 200 to 250 more calories around this period of our cycle anyway. And so what the best thing to do here is we know we're going to get more cravings. We know we're going to be more hungry. What we often see is that we, you know, we spend that kind of week before our period thinking, oh my God, I'm coming up to my period. I'm going to feel, you know, really low and I'm going to end up eating loads of ice cream. And it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We do end up doing that. We end up overeating in one big go. We end up binging potentially, on higher energy, sugary, fatty foods. And then because we're already feeling bloated and digestion is slower anyway, we end up feeling more bloated, more water retention, and just worse with our body because we've got those higher feelings of anxiety. So if we can actually implement more food in the week leading up to our period and the week of our period, we're preempting the amount of food we're going to eat so just adding it doesn't have to be a huge amount just 150 calories every day you've got like a little bit of a buffer so you're less likely to crave more crave more foods in the week before your cycle and the first week of your period the first week of your follicular phase and you just generally are going to feel fuller and better because you're like oh well I've had enough food I feel full I don't feel this need to overeat and binge and you know, I, I'm not craving as much food because I'm I'm satiated. I have enough food. And even just what a great thing to do is if you if you crave specific foods around your period, don't avoid them and be like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat those foods. Have them. One of my girls on the Female Performance Project, we call her luteal phase, the Reese's, the Reese's phase because she loves Reese's peanut butter cup. So she has a Reese's peanut butter cup just like as a snack in the week before her period, because she knows she's going to crave it. She knows she's going to eat it better to kind of eat one, enjoy it when she actually wants to enjoy it. And then she doesn't turn into a, a crazy person that eats, you know, 300,000 Reese's peanut butter cups in one night. So things like this can be, can be really useful to implement. It's going to improve mood as well. Give us a dopamine hit. It makes us feel great. We might push more in things like training as well, have more energy for training and for doing things when, you know, at that time in the month, We generally feel like we have lower energy to do things. If we have more food, again, that's going to give us more energy. It's going to help us recover. So more food around that time is is a really useful tool for many reasons. On the topic of cravings, got another question about cravings. How can you stop craving food in perimenopause when not hungry? So kind of going back to the previous question and just kind of highlighting that we cravings are a normal part of, of life. It's a, a psychological response. It's a, a part of our survival instinct, or a normal part of life, depending on stress, sleep, hormones, energy levels, what else is going on in our life. But understanding these cravings can actually really help us kind of not give in to them as much as well. So... During perimenopause, we're more likely to suffer from cravings impacting us because of our fluctuations in our hormones. We, if we kind of look at what PMS does to us in perimenopause, we're going to get a similar kind of effect, impacted sleep, irritability, more likely to feel fatigued, tired, low. And so those cravings are very similar to that kind of luteal phase due to a drop in hormones generally around perimenopause we need to make sure that we are getting in our our solid baseline with our food and that's going to massively help with cravings there we obviously have that at the girl who asked this question has mentioned cravings when not hungry so there's that difference there between a physical hunger and a mental hunger right so cravings are more like a mental hunger so what we want to do is make sure that we've covered our bases as much as possible so Again, this kind of this applies to perimenopause or not perimenopause, any other time of your life as well. Making sure we're getting a sufficient amount of protein in our diet. So spreading protein intake evenly throughout the day, eating every three hours a protein-rich meal, maybe a palm size of protein, 30, 25 to thirty-five grams of protein, depending on your daily intake, and spreading it across the day evenly. If we have that baseline there, then that's going to make, keep us feeling full. It's going to keep us satiated, keep those energy level, energy levels balanced as well. And every time we eat, not, not skipping any meals, not having eating windows where we're not, we're going for a long time without food, making sure that within an hour of waking up, we eat, and then we eat every three hours from there making sure we're getting a diverse range of nutrients and so micronutrients and macronutrients. So we're including carbohydrates and fats at our meals, making sure we're getting fats in. A lot of the time people tend to kind of drop fats from meals in an attempt to think, oh, well, I don't need you know to eat these higher calories, things like that. But fats will help keep you full as well. So having a good amount of fat in at meals, avocado, dark chocolate, salmon, things like this, adding seeds and nuts to things as well. This can be really useful in keeping us full. And just making sure we're hitting our micronutrients as well, because you know, getting all of our vitamins in and minerals is going to make a massive difference in, in cravings as well, because sometimes, you know, in terms of cravings, it can come from not having enough variety of food. So making sure we're getting lots of colors, lots of greens, different protein sources, variety with protein sources, you know, don't just have chicken, chicken, chicken all day or protein powder, protein powder, protein powder, you know, have eggs for breakfast chicken for lunch or if you're if you're a vegan or vegetarian having something like tofu eggs but varying up those protein sources like keeping variability in foods don't feel like just because i don't know potentially maybe you are following a meal plan maybe you're not maybe you have a fat loss goal maybe you don't but whatever your situation you should be implementing foods in that you would be likely to crave because then you don't crave them as much it's like if i say okay don't think of a pink elephant what's the first thing you think of If we're like, oh, well, I always crave Reese's peanut butter cups around my period. And then you think I won't have any. What is the thing you're going to want more? So thinking about the things you can crave and just adding them in and they don't need to. It doesn't need to be eating loads of them. You know, for example, like I love a bit of dark chocolate. So I add a bit of dark chocolate to my oats, add a bit of dark chocolate, you know, before bed with my last meal. So things like that as well. Implementing those things can be really helpful. Okay, so still on the period topic, how do you know if the loss of your period is due to low energy availability and what are the steps to rectify this? Okay, so our cycle can stop or it can become irregular or it can stop completely for more than three months. So this is hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is is very common in women who train a lot. Or even if you don't train a lot, even if you aren't eating enough food or you have high levels of stress. But our cycle can stop because the body does not have enough energy available to perform the basic functions it needs for survival and also factor in the menstrual cycle so it will be shut off. So it can also come from elevated levels of cortisol, so higher stress. Higher stress can also be present from the lack of energy available as well so these kind of come hand in hand but also we might lose a cycle because of other health complications something that we might see a lot of in in females is pcos and this can be due to you know higher levels of hormones such as testosterone and things like this as well um or potentially from being underweight or overweight as well we can drop a cycle the first port of call would be to get a blood test and talk to your gp obviously that's kind of the first thing we would always recommend but then you also need to take an objective look at your lifestyle. You need to sit back from the emotional side of things and take an objective look because, you know, I I work with a lot of girls that have lost their period because they have suffered with disordered eating habits and they've not eaten enough food and they've overtrained. I myself lost my menstrual cycle because I was overtraining, under eating, and lost a lot of weight. So this is something common that we see. So. It might be the case of you thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't want to eat anymore. I'm scared of eating more. I'm scared of gaining weight. I'm scared of not training as much because I'm scared I'm going to gain weight if I stop training. Or I'm scared that I might not be as much of an athlete if I bring my training down. Like it becomes part of your identity, the things we do with our food and our training. But it's very, very important to take an objective look, which can be very hard. And kind of think, do you have symptoms such as irritability, fatigue, hunger? This is both physical and mental hunger. Do you feel actually fully satiated when you've eaten all your foods or are you constantly thinking about food? Do you have lack of, a lack of motivation for life things, training things? Are you more susceptible to injury? Have you gotten more sick recently? Have you gotten more illness? Do you have an inability to lose weight? Do you feel like you're, you know, maybe you're in a loss phase or maybe you're trying to gain weight or... And the scale isn't playing ball and your body isn't playing ball. You feel bloated, you feel puffy, you feel stressed. And also things like a lack of sleep as well. Do you have high levels of anxiety? What are your feelings around your body? How do you look at your body? Do you feel positive about it or do you feel negative about it? But things like this, though some of them are very simple, can be symptoms of or you know, ideas that might mean that we do have that low energy availability. Because having enough energy is not just about having a cycle and being able to get through a training, having enough energy available is also just feeling happy, feeling positive. When we don't have enough energy available, we are more likely to feel negative and low and all these things be impacted. So looking at these is really important. It's very hard to objectively look at ourselves and be like, are we eating enough? But have a look at your diet. Are you getting food in within an hour of waking up? Are you eating every kind of three hours after that? Are you hitting kind of like a decent amount of protein, a decent amount of carbs and a decent amount of fats? Can you happily say that you have those three things in a decent amount, like say a hand size at each meal, not a hand size of fat, but perhaps a palm of protein, a fist size of carbs and a thumb of fat. So you're getting that every meal. Are you going into training with fuel in the tank? So when you train, did you eat within the last three hours? Did you eat half an hour before? Did you get food in after your training? Are you training for two hours? Do you need to eat during training? Are you training in the evening and going straight to bed? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you having breakfast? Things like this, faster training. Looking at the food intake around your training as well could be very beneficial. Have you rapidly lost a lot of weight recently? Things like this are things to think about there's quite so many reasons that we could lose a cycle due to that low energy availability. Sometimes it's just fixing one tiny thing. Perhaps it could be eating around training. It could be eating more consistently over a longer period of time. I've worked with a lot of girls who have, you know, we've implemented more food around training and this has really helped with the regularity of cycle, but you can always send me a message and talk to me about this individually as well, because it's something I'm always more than happy to help with in terms of taking steps to rectify this. Again, it depends on where you think the kind of the main link or the main missing link is in your chain of getting your cycle back. So, you know, we've spoken a lot about kind of are you getting the right amount of food in? But look at your training. How many days are you training a week? Are you training six days a week? And a lot of those are double session days. Are you training every day? Sometimes I get, I see an intake form on the Female Performance Project and I'm I'm told by the girl that she trains Monday through to Sunday. And it's like, when do you take your rest day? You need to have a rest day. Training is not the norm. Rest is the norm. And then we do training to enhance everything else, right? Are you getting two rest days a week? Are you double training? Can you just take that down to one session? Do you go into the gym and feel like when you go to do your session, Does every session feel strong and efficient? Are you doing your reps and thinking, oh, yeah, every single rep out of the set was bang on. Every single exercise I've done is bang on. I feel good going in and I'm not in the gym for an amount of time where I get about 45 minutes in and I start to flag. But I continue to go. These are the things that make the difference. And these are the things that add up. So if we're looking at it from a training perspective, take a session out of your plan for a week and then the next week okay if you're not feeling any better take another session out that doesn't necessarily need to be like a whole day of training if you're double training remove one of your sessions from the double training days if you're training with intensity a lot reduce the intensity of one of your sessions take it down to a steady state session for example change it to a easy easy cardio session go for a, a light jog or go for a cycle do some yoga do some pilates go for a swim Can you remove that session completely? Do you need to get more sleep around your recovery? Do you need like another day after a heavy session? Training certain things like doing high intensity or perhaps doing legs is going to need more time to recover than an upper body session. If you've trained legs, you probably need to take a day off after. If you go and train legs again the next day, you're overtraining. It's all these little things that add up. In terms of food, we can add in a snack pre or post workout or even pre and post. Make sure you're getting food in before your session, whether that's a couple of hours before with a big substantial meal or a small carb sauce, a banana, some rice cakes, some saurine, half an hour before. And then again, getting in something after. after. Look at the micronutrients in your diet as well. Are you getting a, a balanced amount of micros? So are you getting your, your basics, vitamin D B12, obviously, you know, as we're coming into the summer, hopefully our vitamin D should should be kind of coming up naturally now. But, you know, even so, it's something that's still very good to supplement with. Getting a vitamin D spray is an absolute game changer. B12. Are you getting these things in as well? If you're a vegetarian or vegan, might be worth kind of looking at a B12 supplement or a 12 Again, you can get B12 spray to help with that energy production as well. Taking things like magnesium can help with recovery, zinc, and then looking at your your micronutrients within your actual diet that aren't supplements. So colorful veggies, greens, fruits, and also things like omega-3 fats as well from your diet. Get your focus on lowering stresses and looking at your sleep. So we want to be aiming seven for seven to eight hours sleep every night, good quality sleep. Are you getting that amount of time? Are you waking in the night? Are you waking up super early after you know, going to bed late the night before? Are you training early? Can you push your training a little bit later? One big thing that I found that's really impacted me when I got my cycle back was, and I don't think it was a coincidence, I used to get up to do my cardio at like 4.30 in the morning when I lived in London. That's not even a joke. I got up at 4.30 and the wanted to train because I was apparently a psycho. But now if I don't need to, sometimes I get up five, yes, but if I don't need to, like this morning, I got up at seven and did my cardio and Chloe from last year would have been like, what are you doing? 7am? Everyone's up and about by then. But that has made a massive impact on my energy levels. And I think that's something that's helped me get my period back is not having to wake up stupidly early if you don't have to. Sometimes there is a time and it's nice to wake up stupidly early, but it doesn't need to be all the time. So focusing on that sleep and good quality sleep, perhaps taking a sleep supplement if you need something like that making sure you're getting downtime before you actually go to sleep. Are your stresses low before you go to bed? Are you getting into bed thinking about all the things on your phone, scrolling through TikTok or Instagram? Can you completely switch off before you go to sleep? And just lowering stresses in your life. Like where can you get rid of stresses? For example, relationships that aren't serving you, friendships that aren't serving you, things at work that aren't serving you, where you live. And I know these are quite extreme things to change, but these are all things that play into, into the stresses in your life as well. And then coming back to the food, it's not just implementing these changes for a short period of time and thinking that a banana pre-workout is going to make all the difference. You need to be bringing up your calories gradually if it is a food related issue, which most likely it can be. You need to bring those calories up gradually, you know, 100 to 150 calories every kind of 10 days. Obviously, this is what worked is what worked for me and some of my clients, but not everyone. So remember, it's individual. What will work for me won't work for you. But I found that consistency over a long period of time and getting my calories up to a very high level for an extended period of time was what brought my cycle back as well. So that was a very long answer to that question. But hopefully that was useful and anything else on that, please, please feel free to send me a DM or an email or anything on that because it's a massive topic and it's, it's very difficult to answer in a short space of time. And then last question I have is how to reach your goals or even have an idea of what goals you want to reach. Interesting, but I like a goal related question. I think we always talk about what your why is when you're training or dieting or trying to increase food to gain muscle or trying to maintain. There's always like, what is your why? I think when we have a goal, we we feel like we need to have a why behind it and we need to have a concrete goal. I don't think you always need to have a why I think you just need to be doing what feels best for you and what lines up with you in 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 your chest. I know this sounds a bit strange, but sometimes we have those things, whether it's training, whether it's going to, you know, going to work at a certain place or whether it's doing certain things in our daily life. We have those things that make us feel restricted. They make you feel like they give you like a uh, like a tight, horrible feeling. Those are not the things you want to be pushing for. If a coach is telling you to push for something that perhaps makes you feel like that, that is not where your goal is, okay? If you have that feeling in your chest or in in yourself where the thought of achieving it makes you feel very open and happy and optimistic, that is the thing you should be aiming for. So this question, and I think the person who asked it, I know where she's coming from because I know she's currently training for a 10K and she's doing a lot of running. So I know that she feels like she wants to do all this running, but I think she's gotten to that point with the running where it's making her feel a bit tight and constricted. But when she thinks about training with weights, it makes her feel open and happy. And often I hear people, people ask me, what is the goal when I'm training weights? What should I be aiming for? But I think if you can feel towards that feeling that makes you feel open and happy If you're, as long as you're following that feeling, you're going to find a goal to hit if you need to. And remember, you don't always need to have a goal. Sometimes a goal will just reveal itself as you keep moving towards something. I've worked with many clients who have started off doing strength training with me, or perhaps they've started on just like a a maintenance kind of meal plan with me, and then they've ended up being like, oh, well, I've decided I want to try and qualify for a competition or I want to try and make weight for a weightlifting competition or things like that. So I think don't worry too much about the goal. Don't worry too much about the destination. Focus on the journey. I'm going to end on that really cringe, overused statement. I have a lot more questions, but I'm going to go through these on another podcast. So Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this little solo podcast from Chloe. Uh, So the Female Performance Project has had a little bit of a rebrand recently. We've kind of built a new platform, which we're really excited to share with you. We have a a one-to-one nutrition coaching platform at the Female Performance Project. So come and check us out. The Instagram is at Female Performance Project. We also have the website, femaleperformanceproject.co.uk. And then for more info on the PH Nutrition side, you can check out all of our bits and bobs at phnutrition.uk and check out our Instagram at ph underscore nutrition. But thank you so much for listening, guys. I will see you all soon and have a wonderful day.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.